This is a Demon FM podcast. Join us on a socially distant walk through the past week. This is Weekly Wonder. Demon FM. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Demon FM's Weekly Wonder podcast. The podcast where the hardworking members of Demon FM bring you content to help you get through this lousy lockdown. As usual, there's plenty of content to look forward to in this episode, with some returning segments and some brand new ones. And this show really is a wonder. Our committed members have gotten their creative energies flowing and have come together to create a fine selection of content to keep you entertained. Coming up in this episode, Jess gives us the lowdown in a review of Sia's divisive first film, Music. I think that the film did make good use of dance sequences to show the intricacies of the mind of a person with autism. However, I think that it could have focused more on the difficulties of autism. And Cat's Corner is back with some more riveting reading recommendations and pro-book buying tips. I honestly think Michelle Obama is is so iconic and and the fact that she's released this book and it's done so well as well. I mean, of course it would do well. Everyone wants to know about Michelle Obama. I couldn't recommend it more. And also, Demon's Dan interviews two of the students who have put so much time and effort into the De Montfort SU's 2021 Cultural Exchange Festival. This year is Cultural Exchange's uh, 20th anniversary, and it's been 20 years of sort of providing a space for people in Leicester to connect and learn more about arts and culture. This year, we've been able to expand by being online with national and international guests as well as plenty of other content to look forward to in this episode. I'm your host, Reese, and this is the Weekly Wonder Podcast. Join us on a socially distant walk through the past week. This is Weekly Wonder. Demon FM. First up on today's show, as per usual, we have an update of the most important news of the week with our sibling strand, Demon News who are working to bring all of the latest and need-to-know information, which this week includes a rundown of the newly announced pathway out of COVID, commemorations of Captain Tom Moore, and a shocking discovery that caused hundreds of people, including students, to leave their homes. Bringing the news this episode is Deputy Head of Demon News, Philippa. Hello, and welcome back to the Demon News part of the podcast. This week saw the highly anticipated announcement by Boris Johnson about how England is going to leave lockdown and gradually return to normal throughout spring and summer. As you can imagine, this is going to be the main bulk of this week's update because it was so eagerly awaited by many and quite substantial. So, stage one, part one, sees the return of all schools for all children. It also enables two people to meet in a park for a picnic or a drink. This takes place on the 8th of March. Then, on the 29th of March, stage one, part two, enables meetings outdoors of rule of six or two households and the opening up of outdoor sports facilities. Stage two begins on the 12th of April and it sees the return of non-essential retail, hairdressers, beer gardens, theme parks, but still no indoor mixing of households. On the 17th of May, stage three is aiming to be implemented. This would see indoor mixing of two households, 
and cinemas, theatres, sporting events reopening, but with social distancing. Then finally, on the 21st of June, there could be an end to social distancing, enabling sections of the economy which have been closed since March last year, such as nightclubs, to reopen. However, these are all earliest possible dates, and in reality, imposing these changes focuses much more on the data than the dates. This is all possible now as a result of the successful vaccine rollout across the UK. And this week, the next steps of that rollout were announced. The Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisations announced that they would continue the process of vaccinations with over 40s next in line for the vaccine, irrespective of occupation. The Queen has also urged those not taking the vaccine to think of others. Tributes were paid by many for Captain Sir Tom Moore at his funeral on Saturday after he died from coronavirus earlier this month. He was described by his daughter as a beacon of light and hope to the world after he raised £33 million for the NHS during the first lockdown. The Chancellor has also pledged £5 billion to help high street shops recover from the pandemic. This is ahead of the budget, which will be announced next week. Away from coronavirus, Shamima Begum, who went to Syria aged 15 to join ISIS, has been told by the Supreme Court she cannot return to the UK to fight her citizenship case. Police in Myanmar have opened fire, killing 10 people at the largely peaceful protests about the military takeover. And finally, an unexploded World War II bomb found in Exeter has meant that 2,600 households and 12 university halls of residence have been forced to evacuate their houses while it was destroyed on Saturday. Thank you very much for listening. And if you would like to get involved with Demon News, please let us know. Thank you. Thanks for the updates, Philippa. Yes, the pathway out of COVID combined with this vaccine looks like it's finally offering a light at the end of the tunnel. But we must stay vigilant and remember a return to normalcy in June depends on if we can stick to the rules. We don't want this delayed any longer. But if any DMU students out there have a passion for journalism, reporting on current affairs and politics, and want to get involved with the news team, then they can email hello at demon-media.co.uk. That's hello at demon-media.co.uk to get in touch with the news team and find out how to get involved. This is Weekly Wonder Demon FM. It's that time of the show again where we bring you some new riddles to give you all a little mental workout and flex that grey matter. Don't worry about working them out straight away as the answers will of course be revealed later on in the show. So why wait? Let's dive straight into it, shall we? So riddle number one is what goes up and down but still remains in the same place. What goes up and down but still remains in the same place. Riddle number two is, what gets bigger the more you take away? That's what gets bigger the more you take away. Hmm. Up next is riddle number three, which is, what has one head, one foot, and four legs? That is, what has one head, one foot, and four legs. For riddle number four, we have, 
What kind of coat is best put on wet? What kind of coat is best put on wet? And lastly, riddle number five. What can run but never walks? Has a mouth but never talks? Has a head but never weeps? And has a bed but never sleeps? What can run but never walks? Has a mouth but never talks? Has a head but never weeps? Has a bed but never sleeps? Okay, so quite a few tricky riddles there that will hopefully get those brain gears a turning and help sharpen your mental edge. As we said before, you'll have the rest of the show to figure them out before the answers are given at the end. Best of luck, everyone, and on to the next segment. This is Weekly Wonder Demon FM. So in spite of all this COVID craziness, films are still being made and, much to my surprise, Australian singer Sia has made her directorial debut with the film Music. Who knew? Thankfully, Jess has got us covered here and she gives us a detailed analysis of the divisive film, which stars Kate Hudson and dancer Maddie Zalga. So what have you got for us, Jess? Hi, my name's Jessica Smith. I'm a first year film and journalism student at De Montfort, and I'm going to be doing a short film review of music. A film that came out this year, directed by Sia, that focuses on Maddie Ziegler, who plays a severely autistic child who was in the care of her grandmother and through a, co- a close coordination of time was being cared for with her neighbours who were guiding her to the library. It was a very heartwarming start to the film. But then tragically, the grandmother passed away and music was left to the care of her older sister, Zoo, which is short for Kazoo, who was newly sober. She'd faced um, bouts of addiction, which we later learned throughout the film, which emulates her own mother's issues with drug use. So the film primarily could be argued to focus on Zoo. Now, it's problematic in a lot of ways. The fact that they use Maddie Ziegler instead of an actual autistic child brings up questions of how can she actually represent autism and the complexity of the disability without actually experiencing herself. Now, Sia began to argue that she did in fact try to use an actual person with a disability. However, it got too overwhelming for that person. However, in a previous interview, she'd actually stated that she'd written the role with the intentions of using Maddie, who she'd also used in her previous music videos. Now, the pair are quite close, so it does make sense for her to use Maddie. However, it brings into question of how can she accurately portray autism and how can it actually be seen to be reflective of living with disability rather than simply mocking the disability. I think that was what a lot of other reviews have suggested. It only received 9% on Rotten Tomatoes and the New York Times as aptly encompasses my argument. At times it seems indistinguishable from mockery and I think that just really hits the nail on the head because through the film you can really see the facial movements and the way that they treat music is just quite cruel at times. They see her zoo kind of argues as if she's a burden and it focuses more obviously zoo is going through her own issues of sobriety but 
the film tends to use music as a way of helping develop Kazoo's character arc, which is a common trope in a lot of films, as if disabled people are plot points that able people can manipulate, which I frankly find horrible. Zoo, at the beginning of the film, quite shockingly rings up a organisation and asks if they do walk-ins, as if she's about to drop music off because she can't deal with the care. And a lot of the film focuses on Zoo's inability to look after music, her turning to Ebo, the neighbour, who eventually they develop a romantic relationship with. But it focuses primarily on this and the help of her other neighbours through looking after music as if mu- and treats music as an object in a sense rather than a person in her own right and this is obviously emphasised moreover with the fact that because of her autism music isn't able to communicate very well she's only able to use certain words in the film she barely has any lines which obviously is an apt representation of living with autism but it's also a question of is her role in the film that important and this is emphasised again through the fact that it focuses more on her her verbal and movement like her tics and her response to her response to certain environments rather than showing I think that the way they use dance sequences in the film to show what it's like inside music's head which I think is a good technique that Sia had well intentions of using because it shows the romanticisation in music's brain and what she would be capable of if she was an able-bodied person. However, it also comes across as quite random and I think for for a typical audience it would be quite disorientated and confusing. They use these dance interviews quite a lot and it obviously shows her a sense of imagination and it shows her, it kind of emphasises her lack of communication because she communicates through dance instead of orally and in this sense her disability doesn't limit her she's able to act how she wishes she could be and there's lots of color and childlike imagery in these in in these dance sequences which relates obviously a theme throughout the film of her interest in cartoons but again this comes across as mocking in a sense i believe because it kind of reduces music to a child when in fact while she may seem to have a limited capacity, she is still a person in her own right. I think the film could be summed up as relating to the saviour narrative, but in the contradictory sense, music saves Zoo rather than Zoo saving music, because Zoo uses music to learn about the true meaning of love and what love actually enables you to do and instead of her initial dream of using enough money from her drug dealing to be able to live in Costa Rica she realizes there's more to life than just being selfish and she realizes the importance of family to which she's previously emphasized that she doesn't care about because of her past issues with her mother. I think a key scene which can be used to the film's benefit is the use of light and dark. So there's a scene in the film where there's a blackout and we hear the truths of the film, the truths of the characters, Ebo and Sue, with Ebo coming, Ebo explaining his issues in the past with his family, his wife leaving him for his brother. And this 
links later on into the film where we see him reunited with his brother and his ex-wife at their own wedding and zoo and music join him and this is a key point in the film where we see just how important music's autism is when she sings a song that she's been that music and Evo have been singing earlier in the film and even though they're quite surprised by this because again it seems as if they've diminished her in their own eyes that she can't be capable of things and there's quite a few instances in the film where Sue forgets about music's allergies for example her allergy to bees um and obviously this ends up tragically in her being hospitalized and also in the fact that she forgets about her certain her strictness of routine how to deal with her when she's having an episode so overall the film personally i feel is a real letdown i think the key mistake that Sia made was employing someone who wasn't actually autistic to portray such a severe side of disability how can someone actually portray someone with such a life-changing disability when they themselves don't have it it brings into question things that we've seen in the media before with Scarlett Johansson playing an Asian child it brings into question of where does the line where can the line be drawn between acting and reality where can the line be drawn where it's in a sense becomes more offensive than it may well be intentioned to be the film may in conclusion try to draw Zoo in a positive light um, and through her experiences with music she learns to love she learns to conquer her issues with sobriety and she learns the true meaning of life and happiness but in my personal experience I think the film is about is quite manipulative in that sense because the film focuses and prioritizes Zoo continually over music despite the fact that the film is entitled music and and is limited on its portrayal of music's life rather than we only see the peripherals of her routine of going to the library to read about dogs and walking through the park we don't actually see her life before her Nan passed, and it's very reductionist in this sense. And I don't think it, it gives an accurate portrayal of the life of someone with autism because it doesn't show the hardships that they face themselves rather than just in the positions they've been put in. Because a lot of the hardships that, that music faces is because of Sue's incapability of being able to look after her. So, Sue needs teaching about how to take care of music. And the film focuses on her learning to take care of music. But in the meantime, if we don't actually see music in how she sees the world, only through small snapshots seen in the music sequences and in some brief explanations from Ebo about how music lives her life. So I think agreeing with the online consensus about the film, I really don't think the film accurately portrays autism. I think whilst Sia may have had good intentions, I think a major letdown was the casting and also the use of the disabled character as a plot device rather than as a person. 
three-dimensional in their own right. I think that the film did make good use of dance sequences to show the intricacies of the mind of a person with autism. However, I think that it could have focused more on the difficulties of autism and also focused more on the perspective of music as opposed to zoo because the film, in a sense, tends to focus more on Sue's issues of sobriety, her issues with love, her issues with coping with a lack of money, rather than music's loss of both her mother, her grandmother, and her lack of independence as a person because of her disability. I hope this gives accurate summary of the film. Apologies if it's any spoilers, but I think it's definitely a film that you should watch. But I again suggest that you take it with a pinch of salt and consider that while Sia may have had good intentions, it really missed the mark. Thank you. Hmm, interesting. Some really great insights there, Jess. It might be worth watching the film myself for me to make my own judgment and learn what to look out for from films in the future in terms of how perhaps they shouldn't go about doing things. Despite that it hasn't had great reviews, it could still be an interesting watching experience and something can be learned from it. Thanks again, Jess. Join us on a socially distant walk through the past week. This is Weekly Wonder Demon FM. Coming up next, it's the coolest cat I know. It's time for Cat's Corner. Back with some more excellent book recommendations, no doubt. And as always, some helpful and handy advice on where to get your books from. What have you got for us, Cat? Hello and welcome to Cat's Corner. The best corner, I think. You know, I'm very biased of the Weekly Wonder podcast. Um, and we are going to be looking at probably one of my favourite books that I've read in a very long time. I'm pretty sure I said that about last week's, but this is a great one. Completely different genre. So this is actually called Becoming, and this is about Michelle Obama. So this is her, I suppose, her memoir, her autobiography. So yes, it's a really, really, really good read. Um, Also, it's being adapted for younger readers, which I think is brilliant. So if you have children and, you know, Michelle Obama is a complete inspirational woman. I look up to her so much. Um, she's so amazing. I, I, I can't stop gushing about Michelle. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely on my recommended list on Goodreads. So it's also now available in paperback, if you uh, didn't know, because it was only hardback for quite a long time. And, and Sammy, I have it in hardback because, um, well, it was, it was the only thing that was available. But yeah, so this is sort of what the book is about. So in a life filled with meaning and accomplishment, Michelle Obama has emerged as one of the most iconic and compelling women of our era. As First Lady of the United States of America, the first African-American to serve in that role, she helped create the most welcoming, inclusive White House in history, while also establishing herself as a powerful advocate for women and girls in the US and around the world, dramatically changing the ways that families pursue healthier and more active lives and standing with her husband as he led America through some of his most harrowing moments. Along the way, she showed us a few dance moves. I mean, everyone's seen Michelle Obama's dance moves. Crushed carpool karaoke, it's true. And raised two down-to-earth daughters under an unforgiving media glare. In her memoir, now available in paperback and a Young Reader's edition, see, mention that, 
Michelle Obama invites readers into her world, chronicling the experiences that have shaped her from her childhood on the south side of Chicago to her years as an executive balancing the demands of motherhood and work, to her time spent at the world's most famous address. I'm not sure. What what address is that? Does anyone know? Um, is it my address? <laughs> I'm not going to dox myself and t- tell you all my address, but is it, um, I don't know. What, what address could it be? I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's the White House. With unerring honesty and lively wit, she describes her triumphs and her disappointments, both public and private, telling her full story as she has lived it, in her own words and on her own terms. Warm, wise and revelatory, Becoming is the deeply personal reckoning of a woman of soul and substance who has steadily defied expectations and whose story inspires us to do the same. Such a good book, such a good book. So if we have a look on my favourite website, Goodreads, other websites are available. So we're going to have a little cheeky look and see what rating it is. Of course, it has an absolutely fantastic rating. So Becoming on Goodreads is, I think, 4.52 with 600... 59,375 ratings and 54,394 reviews. I love, again, like I said, Goodreads is great. You can like put in books that you want to read. You can set yourself goals. Um, and I just think, you know, maybe I'm just a bit of a book nerd. Um, so I do enjoy a good one. But yes, yeah, so I honestly think Michelle Obama is, is so iconic. And, and the fact that she's released this book and it's done so well as well. I mean, of course it would do well. Everyone wants to know about Michelle Obama. I couldn't recommend it more. In terms of memoirs, I think this is one of the greatest ones, especially that has come out this year. Um, I know Barack Obama came out with a memoir not long ago, and that is also fantastic. I'm trying to think of any other memoirs that have come out recently. So David Attenborough also has a book that's come out, um, The Icon Himself. It is called A Life on Our Planet. I don't know, I just love this. I'm like sighing because I'm currently reading the book. Um, So it's called A Life on Our Planet, My Witness Statement and A Vision for the Future. It's really good. So obviously this also came out. Um, This came out last year. You can actually buy a used hardcover on Amazon. Other websites are available for £5.55. Then that will also come with delivery. I think the cheapest you can get it for is is about £9 unless you want it paperback and then you get it for about £7. Of course, there are other places as well if you want to get some IRL books and not just like look at them on a Kindle or look at them on your phone. I really recommend World of Books. I used to always get my uni books from there if I could find them because they're so cheap and it's also secondhand. Um, Obviously in the current climate it's like well do I really want something secondhand because you know it's a pandemic but a lot of these books have been cleaned and plus the lifespan of the strain I'm talking about doesn't last long enough for it to still be on the book by the time it gets to you when it's delivered. Again if you're cautious about them then Amazon surely is probably the way to go but I would recommend World of Books. Uh, also, you can, I think, order things from off Oxfam. I think maybe you can order things, books from Oxfam. Let me just check that. <laughs> there, I'll just buy like a £70 book. Yeah, you can. So you can order things from Oxfam if you are wanting to get something secondhand, you know, but you'll have less of a selection. World of Books, I'd say everything you can probably want is probably on Amazon. If you are happy playing for a book that's not brand new um, and want it to be cheaper, definitely World of Books. If you can't find it on World of Books, give Oxfam a shot. Obviously, again, other websites are available, but I definitely recommend these. But thank you so much for listening to Cat's Corner. It's uh, been a fantastic little corner episode today. Not that long, but I thought I'd just give you a sneaky peek of what I've been reading this week. Okay, thank you very much and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thanks, Kat. Michelle Obama and David Attenborough. 
two absolute icons whose books sound like an interesting read and would be a great addition to anyone's bookshelf. And also, thanks for the pro tips on ordering secondhand books from Oxfam and World of Books. I've never considered that before. Take note, students. If you're strapped for cash, this could be a great alternative to finding those helpful academic books. Because as we all know, those don't come cheap. So it might be worth investigating. Join us on a socially distant walk through the past week. This is Weekly Wonder. Demon FM. Who do we have coming up next? Oh no, not this guy. Jeez. It's that plonker Reese back again for another Reese's recommendations. This time with another list of video games that he found beneficial for maintaining his mental health and have helped him find peace and relaxation during these stressful times. That doesn't sound too bad, I suppose. Let's hear what he has to say. Go on, Reese. Hello, everyone. It's Reese again, back for another Reese's Recommendations. A couple of episodes ago, I did a list of video games that I found helpful for my own mental health and hoped that they would help you guys out too. Well, I'm happy to report that I'm back with another list of video games that could be beneficial for mental health. And this time I have four new entries for you to check out. So let's not waste any time and jump straight into these wonderful little worlds of escapism. The first game I want to recommend is a game called Stardew Valley. It's an adorable game that's sort of reminiscent of old school 2D pixely games where basically you, the player character, inherit a farm from your grandfather and just work on building up that farm and making a life for yourself. You get to go crops, go digging in the mines for ore and precious metals and stone. You get to build barns and silos. And my favourite part, all of the different animals you can get to be on your farm, like chickens and pigs and cows and goats. It's just really fun and low pressure. There's no failure. All you have to really do is water your crops and feed your animals. Really cute game and really nice to play for the odd hour here and there to just unwind with. And Stardew Valley is available on Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, iOS and Android. The next game I want to recommend to you is a little game called Koi. That's K-O-I. Koi is a really nice, cute little game where you are basically a koi fish and you go on an adventure swimming up and down rivers with the occasional puzzles to solve. It's got a really beautiful and vibrant colour palette. Again, there's no sense of pressure. You just swim along and enjoy the colours and go at your own pace and you'll feel anything but a fish out of water. And that is available on Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and Microsoft Windows. There are parts of it that feel unpolished, but it is an indie game, and just something where you should enjoy the ride, really. Enjoy the journey. And the third game that I want to mention is a game called Yonder, The Cloud Catcher Chronicles. This is an adorable little game from an Australian indie company. 
And it sort of has aspects of like a bit like Animal Crossing. It's a cute open world game, a bit like Breath of the Wild, where you go around capturing these magical creatures known as sprites. But you also get to do things like farming and fishing and crafting and exploring. And again, it's not the most polished game, but it does have some really vivid and vibrant colors and an adorable little soundtrack. And it's just really nice to, again, take your time exploring, taking in all of the visual beauty and going at your own pace. And that's available on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Nintendo Switch and Xbox One, as well as Windows and Steam. And the fourth and final game I want to mention is a game called Rime. That's spelt R-I-M-E. Again, it's another game from an indie company called Tequila Works, which is a great name. I do have to say. And much like the games in the first Reese's Recommendations segment, as well as this one, it's a game that's visually really beautiful in terms of its colours, and it has a really beautiful soundtrack that helped just take you away. And the plot of the game is you are the character Rhyme, a young boy that's washed up on a mysterious island and has to explore this giant tower where you're guided by this adorable magical fox creature, which personally I just want a magical fox in my life. It's actually quite an interesting game in that it explores a father-son relationship and it's about the exploration of the tower is about the five stages of grief, which you might come to understand as you play through the game. It might not be immediately clear and something you work out as you go along. Some of the puzzles aren't particularly dynamic. It's nothing that's... A lot of the puzzles that appear you might have seen and already done in other video games. But for me, that familiarity is nice. I welcome it because it, this is a game I'm playing to get out of my own headspace and have a nice time and not have to think too much. So I find the familiarity and of the puzzles enjoyable. Still challenging enough that I'm not bored, but not to the point where I'm stressing out over it. So I highly recommend Rhyme. And that is available on Microsoft Windows, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And lastly, I have an honourable mention, and that is The Sims Building Mode. I like creating buildings from my imagination and spending time creating houses I could only ever dream of owning. So that's an honourable but unofficial mention. I know how popular Sims is and how many of my friends enjoy playing it. But yes, that concludes this week's Reese's Recommendations. I hope that you do go and check out the games I've recommended. You might still be working your way through the last list I gave you. In which case, this is a healthy top-up of titles to play once you've run out. I just think video games are a really powerful and immersive platform. And although they can't completely get rid of all my anxieties and stress and depression, they're really helpful in taking the edge off, even just for a little bit. And I hope that you guys find the same. Enjoy the rest of the podcast, everyone. Bye. Thanks for those, Reese. You're not so bad, I suppose. And those games really did sound like they could be helpful to give people some escapism and get out of their own heads for a while. So make sure you go check them out. I think gaming has been one of the surprise MVPs of the last 12 months. But on we go to the next part of the show where a very special interview has been recorded for us. This is Weekly Wonder. Demon FM.
it's been an interesting year for students, to say the least. Stuck at home, trapped with nothing but assignments to work on and no separation from your work and home life. And those deadlines hanging over our heads like the sword of Damocles, just waiting to fall. However, this hasn't meant that there hasn't been things for students to get involved in and some fun events to attend. Demon FM's very own Dan interviews Anna and Beth, who were involved in helping organise De Montfort Student Union's Cultural Exchange Festival 2021, which sounds like a veritable extravaganza of events. Let's hear what Dan managed to find out. Hello and welcome to uh, an interview section in our little weekly wonder. Uh, today I've got here with me Anna and Beth, who are doing the Cultural Exchanges Festival this week. So let's get straight into it. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Sure. So, hello, my name is Anna. Um, I'm a third year arts and festivals management student um, alongside Beth, and we have been working on Cultural Exchanges Festival this year. Yep, both me and Anna are in the programming and marketing team of Cultural Exchanges. So we've been working on our acts lineup and also popping all the information for you guys on our social media pages. Let's get right into the interview then, shall we? Let's uh, get these uh, questions going. So first of all, I guess the main thing that we should be asking to begin with is what is this festival about at its heart? So, um... Culture Exchanges Festival is annually run. It's usually held at the Montford on campus, but this year it's going all online due to COVID-19 and every single event that's on is free to attend. This year is Culture Exchanges uh, 20th anniversary and it's been 20 years of sort of providing a space for people in Leicester to connect and learn more about arts and culture. This year we've been able to expand by being online with national and international guests. Uh, so we've got a sort of a range of talks, workshops and performances for you during the week of the festival, which runs from March the 1st to March the 5th. So, yeah. Sounds perfect. So uh, where can people find the festival and where can people join in on some of the events? So if you Google Cultural Exchanges Festival, our website and everything should come up. But if you want up-to-date information and insights and kind of to see a little bit more about Cultural Exchanges, definitely check our Instagram, which is just Cultural Exchanges. Alongside, heading over to our Facebook so you can see our event pages and grab your free tickets for the festival. Uh, all of our events besides our live gigs which is on Tuesday and Friday evening will be held on the Cultural Exchanges website and those two live gigs will be on our Facebook page. That's perfect. So we've got uh, where it is and what it's about but what can people look forward to this year? Who are like the main headliners? The yeah, so I mean, we've got some um, some great people coming. We're really excited. Particularly, so we've got uh, Jamie Campbell, who is the inspiration for the West End musical. Everybody's talking about Jamie. Uh, that's happening Wednesday at eight pm. We've got Matthew Bourne joining us on Thursday. 
to talk about, you know, that's Sir Matthew Bourne, I should say, renowned choreographer. Um, yeah, Anna? So yeah, alongside those two talks where they're both in conversation events, so you'll get to kind of learn more about the person and their story and their work. We've also got another in conversation, and this is with somebody called Jamie Windust, um, who is an amazing person who recently bought a book out called In Their Shoes. So they're going to be having a conversation on Thursday, 8 o'clock. And then the final event of the festival, which is really exciting, over on Facebook at 8 o'clock, is going to be a double bill with two well-loved indie bands, which is Low Girl and Courtney Askey. And they're going to be interviewing each other and playing some of their music. I think this year, more than other years, we've actually not tried to have it too headline focused as a really big part of cultural exchanges is the diversity. And we would love people to get to know more smaller names because we believe that their content and their knowledge is just as beautiful as those big headliners. So definitely make sure you check out the whole program um, more than just the names because there'll be loads and loads of fun things for you to take part in and ask questions for and there is like a lot uh, going on uh, yes there's, like, <laughs> uh, there's quite a few events every single day for five days straight so you'll definitely have a lot to sink your teeth into when it comes to this upcoming week the march 1st of the 5th um so obviously cultural change is a very very diverse uh, program uh, what do you think is so important about giving these people a voice Well, it's no secret that the arts and cultural sector isn't as diverse as it should be and throughout the 20 years of cultural exchanges Tony Graves the founder who is also the head lecturer of our course at DMU which is arts and festivals management has really made it a big priority to have diversity at the heart of the festival and this year being part of the programming team we really did focus on this really deeply especially as the marginalised voices that don't really get a platform within the arts industry are going to be the ones that are struggling the most during this pandemic. And I think that the programming team this year, we're really proud of ourselves because we've been able to highlight the voices of the queer community a little bit further than they have been in previous years, which we're really looking forward to. Uh, That's really good, yeah. I, I, I commend that quite a lot. Thank you. I mean, we're the students, so it's like if we can start making the changes now, then... The bigger names have no excuse and hopefully it means that everything becomes slightly more and more diverse as we graduate and fly our wings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really good. So uh, what has been the process uh, of in this festival together? I imagine it's been a little bit stressful given the current situation, but how, how has it been? Yeah, no, for sure. It, like, it certainly hasn't been without its challenges. I mean, we started discussing it as a team back in June last year so it's been a long one but you know it's been sort of getting used to using various bits of technology and getting our heads around how that all works Uh, it's not something that we had looked at in our course beforehand really so getting that opportunity to have that experience putting on an online festival whilst we've been supported by DMU has actually like we've really enjoyed it and um, yeah the fact that it's allowed us to connect with people internationally as well has been really exciting for us. Every time I see someone from another country pop up, I'm like, that's so crazy. Like, it's just, it's so good. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Despite absolutely. its challenges. <laughs> yeah. And also being able to continue providing um, arts based events because 
I've really been missing them. I'm sure both of you guys have. Being able to create something that is still of as like high quality as cultural exchanges has been for the past 20 years, where we can still access it safely in the comfort of our own homes has been really interesting to make. So like alongside this festival programme before it kicked off, we did like an online art exhibition. And that was crazy. That is never something, if you told me, well, if you told me that a pandemic was going to happen, I wouldn't believe you. But if you told me that in my final year of uni, I'd be creating online events, I would not believe you. But I'm really grateful that we've had that opportunity because I don't think they'll be going for a little while. Yeah, and it shows how adaptive people can be as well, going from like physical festivals to like fully online. Yeah, it's been really yeah, and it's been really nice having the conversations with our acts and those who we contacted before the festival program was finished, just to see how they're navigating this. Because although it's been stressful for us putting on the festival, you really have to keep in mind the amount of performers and artists that have kind of had to wrap around and understand how to, you know, do a live music performance or a live dance. It's been a huge learning experience, I think, for every person that is a part of cultural exchange, whether it's the act or the students or the tech team. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's been really interesting to see how, um, you know, like the general public have reacted to it as well. Um, yeah. I think it, there's a there's an element to having events online that people are surprised that they've enjoyed, which has been really interesting to see uh, people getting involved still. Yeah, it's the introvert stream. Definitely. <laughs> At home, in my pyjamas, going to a gallery, it's been great. Yeah, yeah, that's all good, yeah. So I only have one more question left and then I'll leave you be so you can continue marketing everything. But <laughs> you have kind of touched on this a little bit already. Obviously, you have international guests zooming in. Mm-hmm. So has this situation helped with being able to get those international guests? And do you think that having online events with uh, international guests might continue into the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, like I said before, I think it's been a really good opportunity for us to get in touch and sort of, it sort of breaks down that limitation that the festival may have had before in terms of having to get people to Leicester. Whereas now, you know, we've got people from California and Canada and it's great to be able to have them involved without, you know, having that barrier of location. And I'd like to say that it's something that will continue for future festivals, as I think it, it definitely adds a lot, you know, not only to the guest list, but also to, you know, our passion to make sure that the festival is diverse. So yeah, I, I would hope that it would continue into future years. We'll have to see. Yeah, it'll be for the second year students now to decide. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. But that's all I really have for you at, at the present time. So thank you both for your no time worries. and for giving us an thank insight into this. No, you're welcome. Make yeah. sure you get your tickets. <laughs> yeah. It's starting to sell out. <laughs> yes, uh, everyone can get their tickets now. There's a lot there. There's a lot to sink teeth into, so it'll be a real good time, I imagine. Yeah, and if anybody's confused or can't find an event they want or need some help, just drop us a message on Instagram and we're more than happy to help. Very nice. Well, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, Daniel. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. 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 Wow, thanks, Dan and Anna and Beth. It's clear these guys have done their absolute best to make this festival something special and all in support of the arts, which are so central to British culture and have been so vital in this past bonkers year. Make sure you check out the festival details on the De Montfort Student Union website. And if it's a yearly event, that's even more exciting. 
And it's something to keep an eye out in future, as well as any other events that they might get involved with. Join us on a socially distant walk through the past week. This is Weekly Wonder Demon FM. Uh, sadly, it looks like we're coming to the end of the show. But before we go, I believe we've got some riddles to answer. Oh, yes. So, if you're ready, I'm about to give you the answers. Grab a pen and paper. Are you ready? Good. What goes up and down, but still remains in the same place? The answer was... Stairs. I wonder if this riddle would work for those moving staircases at Hogwarts. Hmm, someone should look into that. For riddle number two, the question was, what gets bigger the more you take away? The answer is, a hole. To be honest, my brain went on a completely different route the moment I heard the word takeaway. Hopefully you managed to stay focused and get that right at home. But anyway, on to the next riddle. Riddle number three was, what has one head, one foot, and four legs? The answer is, a bed which, FYI, is one of my favourite places to visit. And it always makes me sad when I have to leave. It's so warm and comfy there. Uh, next we have rule number four, which was, what kind of coat is best put on wet? Ah, now see, this one I actually got. The answer is a coat of paint. Just, that's one point for me. And lastly, riddle number five. Now this one was quite a long one, but hopefully you were able to work it out. Riddle number five was, what can run but never walks, has a mouth but never talks, has a head but never weeps, and has a bed but never sleeps? The answer is, a river. I didn't get that one, but now I'm hearing it, it does make sense. It was a lot of wordplay. But well done to you if you managed to get that at home. And yes, that concludes yet another tough round of riddles, but I feel like I've had a good old mental stretch and a bit of mental stimulation. Hopefully all of you listening at home got some of those right, and well done to any brain boxes that managed to get all five. This is Weekly Wonder Demon FM. And sadly, we are now at the end of this episode of the Weekly Wonder podcast. And I dare say the last episode, quite possibly for a while maybe forever. The reason for this being that, according to the whispers of the grapevine, Demon FM will finally have access to its studio again very soon, which means shows will be going back out on air. Hooray! At long last, oh how I miss the studio. And while the weekly wonder is always fun and it's sad it's finishing for its short but sweet second season, hopefully from here on out it will be smooth sailing and live radio in the future. A massive thank you to all of our contributors for this episode, Philippa, Jess, Kat, Dan, and his special interviews, Anne and Beth, and of course to you lot for listening at home. Don't forget to check out our social media, Demon FM, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and check out the Demon Magazine and Demon TV for more thrilling content. And of course, now keep an ear out for Demon FM on our website, demonfm.co.uk, for our soon-to-be return to the airwaves. I've been your host, Reese, and thank you for listening to The Weekly Wonder. Take care, everyone. Stay safe, stay sane, and stay fabulous. Goodbye. Weekly Wonder. Demon FM.
Oh no, is it over? Well, don't worry, because if you head on over to Demon FM Podcasts on Anchor, you can listen to all of our other podcasts, as well as keep an ear out for any new episodes. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Go on, have a listen. I support you.